0: Multitudes of sincere and trusting believers are caught in the virtually invisible web of religious captivation in charismatic and other neo-Pentecostal churches and don't know it. They are unaware victims of spiritual abuse and exploitation perpetrated under the heavy hand of hyper-authoritarianism. That is to say, the leadership of the church group of which they are a part is dominating, controlling, and manipulating their followers, thereby exploiting them for personal gain and private kingdom building. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. horror stories of authoritarian abuse and exploitation and psychological enslavement in bona fide Christian churches abound. From time to time, particular isolated incidents have erupted in highly publicized news stories. However, those high-profile cases are really only the tip of the iceberg. The truth of the matter is, As several decades of my counseling ministry to hundreds of victims bears out, ecclesiastical enslavement and exploitation is widespread in certain sectors of Christendom in this nation. And it is vital to understand I'm not talking about radical, fringe religious sects and cults, but well-respected church groups espousing otherwise orthodox Christian beliefs whose membership is comprised of a cross-section of average Americans, individuals, and families of every race, education level, station, and walk of life. Though religious predomination is certainly nothing new, and hyper-authoritarianism is by no means limited to the neo-Pentecostal branch of the Church, It has, however, especially flourished in the charismatic and so-called second and third wave, that is, neo-Pentecostal groups, since it was infused into the very fabric, foundation, and functions of that branch of the church in the early to mid-seventies. Moreover, it is the charismatic branch of which this ministry has been a part since its inception, which gives me not only the right— but also the duty to bring reproof of error and errancy in that realm. Many church leaders themselves do not realize their leadership methodology is actually a hybrid form of hyper-authoritarianism and amounts to domination and control. The proper role of human undershepherds is to lead people to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ and teach them how to be his followers in submission to him and his authority. Hyper-authoritarian leaders instead lead people to themselves and indoctrinate them to be their followers in total submission to them and their authority. In essence, these dominating shepherds teach they are the church members' lord, master, and savior. They indoctrinate congregants to believe the spiritual leaders of the church themselves are the members' quote-unquote spiritual covering, and any member who ever leaves the church will be quote out from under, end quote, their quote unquote, covering, be without any covering, and experience terrible curses and consequences as a result. This false hypothesis of absolute submission with which subjects are incessantly indoctrinated is the bedrock of such authoritarian doctrines. That, coupled with the enslaving organizational authority structure in place in the groups where these unbiblical doctrines are espoused, is primarily what makes these techniques and mechanisms effectual and effective and it is chiefly the spiritual and psychological needs and problems of attendees of these groups that makes them vulnerable to such unauthorized domination and control, as well as exploitation. The mechanisms of psychological manipulation, domination, and control employed in these groups are virtually identical to those employed by certified cults. Indeed, the stark truth is that many of the groups and churches who employ these techniques and mechanisms are themselves at the very minimum quasi-cults, and in some cases bona fide cults. Jesus prophesied an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshiper. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the Word of God to the world. The Real Truth Radio Network at realtruthradio.com Religious Enslavement Sorcery At the very core of hyperauthoritarian doctrines and practices is religious enslavement. Moreover, let us be clear that religious enslavement is witchcraft a.k.a. sorcery. Thus, it follows, then, that hyper-authoritarian doctrines and practices are, at bottom, witchcraft. And that assessment is not at all an extrapolation, but is based on the intrinsic nature of the teachings. Moreover, it is hardly necessary to point out that witchcraft is something of the devil's domain and not God's it is this reality that makes these teachings and the practices they promote so decidedly aberrant as well as repugnant to those who are cognizant of it though it be so that these doctrines and practices amount to witchcraft The problem is they have already been infused into and become an integral part of the doctrinal and structural system of a large segment of the charismatic Pentecostal body of Christ. Thus, the majority of charismatic Pentecostal believers who have been deluded into accepting the validity of them would have extreme difficulty in understanding and accepting that they are scripturally invalid. And amount to witchcraft, despite the absolute veracity of both of those assessments. Indeed, the very fact that it has been in otherwise legitimate and normative Pentecostal and Neo-Pentecostal, Charismatic Word of Faith movement and Third Wave at all churches that these cultic doctrines and practices have been taught and instituted has itself augmented their obscurity and continuance of course not all pentecostal or neo-pentecostal churches employ these teachings and tactics yet a substantial percentage of especially neo-pentecostal churches do in some form and degree a percentage much higher than what the average believer would surmise in all fairness i must say there no doubt are some leaders who have accepted and instituted these doctrines and practices in their churches in sincere naivety and ignorance without totally comprehending their full import and impact Many of those cases are the result of those leaders having blithely cloned their ministry structure after someone else's with whom they were associated, affiliated, or simply impressed. Nevertheless, a significant portion of the leaders who have instituted these errant doctrines and practices have done so with deliberation, knowing fully and precisely what they are doing having perceived in them a convenient, well-camouflaged, highly effective, and widely accepted mechanism affording both license and means to predominate and prevail over a group of congregants in order to enlist and mobilize them as the implementers of their personal kingdom-building. Once wild, thoroughly indoctrinated, subdued, and subjugated, These indentured congregants then become the willful implementers, agents, collaborators, and operatives for the designs of these errant, self-aggrandizing, and self-exalting ecclesiastical autocrats. THE TRUE NATURE OF SORCERY Asserting, as I have, that these authoritarian doctrines and practices amount to witchcraft requires that we understand the true nature of witchcraft and sorcery. Witchcraft and sorcery are synonymous terms. Some Bible translations use one term, some the other, but both refer to the same thing. The root Greek word for sorcery is pharmakeia, which literally means to administer drugs. From this Greek word are derived various English words having to do with medicinal drugs or narcotics, such as pharmaceuticals and pharmacy. However, there is a common misconception concerning the nature of witchcraft and sorcery resulting primarily from the etymology of this Greek word translated sorcery or witchcraft in the New Testament. This word pharmakeia was originally coined to allude to the use of narcotics as mind-altering and transinducing inducing intoxicants in pagan religious ceremonies and ministrations throughout the ancient history of paganism. Notwithstanding while the original meaning of the word had to do with administering drugs to aid in the casting of spells and inducing trances in pagan occult worship, in the passage of time it came to have a broader connotation than just that in the Greek language. It came to be what is known as a metonym, a figure of speech or kind of colloquialism evoking an idea related to but greater than the literal meaning of the word's components. For example, in the colloquial phrase, under one roof, it is not really a literal roof only that is being alluded to, but rather the word roof is a metonym referring to an entire building consisting of walls and a roof. Similarly, Both the Greek word pharmakeia, as well as its English equivalent, sorcery, connotes something more than the parochial matter of the use of narcotics in the occult. Rather, it is kind of a catch-all phrase evoking the larger concept of interpersonal predomination and self-imposition as achieved by various means and methods. Hence the biblical and thus true spiritual connotation of sorcery or witchcraft, it is imperative to understand, transcends the use of drugs as an intoxicant or trance-inducer in pagan and occult witchcraft. Biblical sorcery and witchcraft centers more on the specter of people manipulating, dominating, controlling, and captivating other people, whether by supernatural, that is, demonic, or simply natural, that is, human means. To put it another way, while the original meaning of sorcery or witchcraft had to do with the casting of spells or the inducement of trances in paganism and the occult, the biblical usage of these words includes psychological means and methods of usurpation and imposition over others as well. For the truth of the matter is that the drug that is used to cast a spell over someone is not always a narcotic. There are also a host of psychological means and methods that, especially with the assistance of demons, are just as trance-inducing, compelling, and effective. A spell is not just a state of intoxication induced by a narcotic, Rather, a spell is any induced condition in which a person's natural and normal self-control over his own thinking and actions is usurped, counteracted, controlled, or simply influenced by some unnatural, non-indigenous, exterior force however the ultimate force behind spells and trances regardless of the agent means or method by which they are induced is demons and the devil simply stated the true spiritual definition and application of sorcery or witchcraft is using any form of persuasion influence intrigue or inducement delusion predomination, or outright coercion, whether of natural, human, psychological, or spiritual, that is, evil spirits, origin, to unduly and improperly influence, manipulate, dominate, or control someone else in order to gain ascendancy or advantage for self-aggrandizement. To put it in even simpler terms, sorcery or witchcraft is endeavoring to get someone else to do what you want them to do, is prevailing upon others in order to get them to yield their will to your will. It is volition, or will, captivation. It is self-imposition and usurpation. It is being an interloper. It is dominating and controlling others. God revealed through the prophet Samuel's rebuke of the disobedient king of Israel, Saul, that witchcraft or sorcery is essentially synonymous with rebellion, and that disobedience, which in essence is rebellion, is synonymous with iniquity, acts of specific trespass and offense against God and idolatry, the imposition of false gods in God's place. Quote, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness, disobedience, is as iniquity and idolatry. End quote. First Samuel fifteen twenty-three. What this means, in other words, is that witchcraft is rebellion, and rebellion is Witchcraft. Moreover, disobedience, stubbornness, is defiance, disregard, and displacement of God. This is Stephen Lambert. We trust you're enjoying this episode of the Real Truth Podcast. You can submit your comments and questions at realtruthradio.com. The Means and Methods of Sorcery Now that is the nature of sorcery and witchcraft. But let's examine now the various means and methods by which sorcery and witchcraft can be effected. Sorcery can be effected either by natural, human means, or by supernatural, demonic means. Supernatural means are those means and media involving explicit inducement and abetment by demons. It entails any and all of the manifold, satanically-perpetrated occult methods and modes that exist, which range from sensual or sexual seduction to voodoo, from seemingly innocent child's play with a Ouija board or an eight-ball to seances and consulting mediums, from casual and supposedly for-amusement-only reading of newspaper horoscopes to overt bona fide Satan worship. All of this kind of sorcery and witchcraft is included in the biblical attribution of divination. Satan has thoroughly infiltrated this kind of divinational influences and devices into virtually every segment and element of human society and life though this interpersonal predomination is sometimes affected through these supernatural means and witchcraft and sorcery is generally associated with satanic activities. It is vital to understand, however, that to engage in sorcery and witchcraft does not require the involvement of supernatural power from demons. Rather, it can also be affected through merely natural human means emanating out of the human spirit, the unregenerate human spirit permeated as it is with the carnal sin nature of Satan intrinsically certainly is sufficiently evil-prone and evil-proficient in itself to devise and implement devices of unauthorized control over others on its own, without any assistance of demon spirits. In the creational order, only the divine spirit, nature of God, transcends the human spirit and being made in the image of God, the human spirit has some capacity for creativity, though it is limited specifically to the natural realm. Interpersonal predomination emanating from the human spirit is the natural human means of sorcery. Natural human means would include a wide variety of interpersonal machinations and mechanisms operated in the psychological realm. At one end of that spectrum is an entire range of such machinations and mechanisms falling under the category of what is generally referred to by such terms as the power of persuasion which is commonly considered a benign, relatively harmless, fair, and appropriate art form. Somewhere in the middle of the spectrum is a realm of a kind of Machiavellian intrigue, it could be called, permeating virtually every segment of life and society, from politics to the ministry, wherein the means, no matter how immoral, improper or unethical, is considered to be justified by the end. At the opposite end of the spectrum is the more intrinsically sinister and guileful realm of overt predomination by means of a host of psychological mechanisms, the object of which is mind control. Now, of course, not all persuasion is intrinsically evil. There is the benign type of persuasion in which one person presents information to another in an attempt to convince that person of the validity of his own perspectives or convictions. However, what makes that kind of inducement benign is that there is no coercion or usurpation of the other person's will involved. The first person is merely presenting to the other person his personal perspective, along with supposed corroborative information for the second person's consideration. In the case of illegitimate interpersonal predomination, however, some sort of influence is being covertly injected in order to short-circuit the normal consideration process and to usurp the victim's natural volition, will, for the purpose of subjugation and captivation. As an aside, within the foregoing also is manifest the somewhat subtle difference between legitimate preaching and teaching versus unauthorized indoctrination, aimed at psychological domination. Ministers have a responsibility to preach the truth and teach people how to apply the truth in practical living but we must never be guilty of in any way alluring or coercing our listeners into ostensible obedience god desires that we be obedient to him not out of coercion but out of willingness isaiah 1:19 like any human parent god wants willing obedience from his children willing obedience is what brings god pleasure Coerced obedience really is not obedience at all, but compulsion. The approach of ministers toward their listeners should be the same as God's toward us. We can enjoin, exhort, and evangelize, that is, call people to God, but we must never coerce or compel. In essence, what this speaks of is what indeed is the very heart of sorcery, the matter of volition. The matter of volitional authority or personal authority is addressed in some detail in Chapter 4 of the book from which this booklet is adapted, Charismatic Captivation. It may be helpful to review the commentary on that subject in that it is related to the topic of this chapter. As indicated there, volitional authority is the third highest level of authority God has established in His creational order. Only two other types of authority supersede it, God's own sovereignty and the voracious authority of God's Word. This personal authority entails the human will, or free moral agency as theologians refer to it with which God has endowed every human being. Essentially, it is the inherent right to personal sovereignty or autocracy, that is, the right to self-government and free choice. This right, as I stated in chapter 4, is absolutely inviolable within the restraints of lawfulness. This means that no one but no one has been consigned the right by God to violate or in any way encroach upon the right to self-government vested in each human, as long as that person engages in righteousness and lawful conduct and refrains from engaging in any iniquitous conduct or acts of lawlessness against any other person. Illustrating the sanctity and absolute inviolability of the human free will is the fact that, though He certainly is sovereign over all, God Himself will never usurp or in any way forcibly infringe upon the free will of any human being, even when our actions and their consequences are not in our own best interest. Now, when we have willingly subjected ourselves unto His lordship and fatherhood, as a part of His great fatherly love for us, He will indeed chasten and discipline us. Hebrews twelve five 5-11 Nevertheless, though He invites whosoever will affirmatively respond to be adopted into the heavenly family, and though He loves us ever so immensely and deeply desires that all be saved, He will not force Himself, His sovereignty, nor His fatherhood, upon any individual to the point that He will allow us to choose the abyss and agonies of hell over the bliss and blessings of heaven. Thus, since the Creator has Himself chosen to grant to every human being such enormous and unrestrained free agency in imitating God as we are enjoined to do by the Word of God, Ephesians 5, 1, et all, we the created certainly, then, are compelled to deal with our fellows in like manner neither coercing nor in any way imposing our will upon anyone else. Indeed, to impose our will upon anyone else is the antithesis of the holy and beneficent divine nature, and in fact is the very essence of sorcery, which is the essence of the thoroughly unholy, rebellious, and self-seeking nature of Satan. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called According to His Purpose.